welcome to the Hateful Fantasy Football League podcast. I believe this is episode four already. It's flying by. Um, we just wrapped up week six of the NFL season. Um, a lot of interesting storylines from the league, but with me, I have Sean, as always. How you doing, Sean? I'm here as the Shadow Commission. And I'm also going to go ahead and welcome Diggs and Eric. Hey, guys. Oh. Oh, Sean, they're not here, are they? Uh, how disappointed can you be? I, I, can't, I, I can't do it anymore. I mean, you are so distraught. You're going to go to Western Montana for two weeks to get the stench off of yourself. Nothing can get the stench of Eric out of my nostrils, though. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, well, both of them said they would be coming. So hopefully they hop on and we will just bring them into the conversation. Um, but for everybody else, um, give you a quick rundown of the NFL for week six. Uh, we had Cincinnati blow a 21 point lead, which seems like a common thing in the league now. Like every week, a team is blowing double digits lead. Like it's nothing. Um, Cam Newton and and the Pats were back, but they lost. Uh, They did not look good against Denver, which if you had uh, with Manicus, you would have probably won your league, your week for the, you probably would have won your week because I think he had six field goals and a lot of them were 50 plus, which is just a crazy way to win a week. Um, Giants won because Washington went YOLO, which I appreciate. I mean, go for two. Why not? You're in a bad situation anyway. You got to try. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh manhandled Cleveland. Um, I think people thought Cleveland were better than they were, but the teams they've beaten aren't ex- actually good teams, I would say. So I wasn't too surprised by that. Um, the two games that really did surprise me, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick keeping his streak alive. I was expecting – potential down week since he was up the week before, but he was riding high. Um, we can talk about him a little bit later. And then Green Bay coming off a bye to Tampa Bay, who Chicago just beat, and Aaron Rodgers laid an egg. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what in the world happened there. Green Bay I mean, he did his, swept the bed. He did his little dance after they went up 10-0, and they didn't even threaten the rest of the game. It was it was brutal. Um. And then finished off the week with uh, Kansas City holding their own and Arizona just proving that Dallas is just a fraud of a team, really. Like, they they can't put anything together. You would think without um, Dak, they would have focused on the run game and got something going, but I just don't think their offensive line is really going to do anything for them this year. Well, when you fumble away the ball that many times, your running game can't handle it. Also true. Also true. Um, for our season, for our league, let's see, week six. Um, well, everybody saw that you uh, talked a big game and then got uh, not really blown out. You came back a little. Okay, bit. Okay, seriously, but I lost to the only team that could have beat me this week. That's true. I did not notice that you had the second most points. Right. That's some poor strength of schedule. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's, yeah, it's just volatility for a rookie monster. I mean, his team has been true. awful. So. That's true. He got a second one. Um, Armadillos holding on to the first place uh, based on points at five and one. You and me are also tied 
at five and one. I've got a six point lead over you, so suck it. Um, and the North Division has three teams at three and three, so that's a competitive division. And then um, you and I both have a two game lead over uh, APOC and ooh, newbie McNuberson. A yes. new owner, I believe. Uh, the absentee owner that we're trying to find a replacement for. Absentee owner, yes. Um, but beyond that, um, Big still bringing up the rear uh, in his full tank mode. Um, we're hoping in a week or so here we can kind of get him to kind of formulate his thought process behind a tank job. Um, I know everybody kind of has a different philosophy going into the Dynasty League and how they want to approach year after year. Um, so I'd be, I kind of want to pick his brand and see what his, his plan is for the future. I think that's a good question, particularly because this is not a traditional dynasty where you can keep all your players and yeah. the productive struggle has some limitations on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, we brought this up maybe week two. Um, I feel like he's going to be in a position in the next couple weeks where he needs to make uh, or take advantage of his cap situation. Completely agree. Um, Yeah. Because as we, as we mentioned, there's teams that are going to really hit the wall in year two and three based on stuff they've already signed um, kind of playing for this year. And so I think he's in a prime position to basically just clean house on the rookie draft, which I would argue is you get to a point, I think where you have diminishing returns. Um, you can't have a whole team of rookies. It, or you have to get incredibly lucky on that draft. Yeah. You know, right? If you had a, a class of this year's top rookies, I think you'd probably feel okay about yourself. But I wouldn't say they've wowed the world, would you? Um, let's see. You'd have Herbert and Burrow. Uh, no, you with. wouldn't have Herbert and Burrow. You'd have uh, Burrow and Tua. That's true. But I'm just saying, like, in theory, if you hit on all your picks. Sure. Uh, but even with Tua, um, kind of uh, put that on the back burner. Um, I'm very shocked that Miami made the move. I understand their thought process on the future, but you're also in a situation where you, your team's playing really well. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick has seemingly had good chemistry with his receivers and has managed mm-hmm. the offense well. Yeah, even the end of last year, like he was, yeah. he was doing well. He, had, I feel like everybody assumes that he's ready to blow up in in the wrong way. And so, um, I understand moving to two with the bye week. You get two weeks to kind of prep him, you get full reps, but it just kind of sucks for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, so you'd have Burrow. Let's say you have Tua, um, Ceh and Taylor. Uh, Taylor's kind of fallen off just based on the Colts not really doing anything um, lately. Yeah, I think game script is uh, his problem. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you could have three productive guys there, CeeDee Lamb, Ruggs, Jefferson. So, I mean, I guess you could you could get a good amount of your team. Sure. Uh, but, again, that that's hitting 100% and getting a lot of first-round picks. Yeah, that's assuming you've, you've hit on each of those – and you didn't fall for the Brandon Ayuk's or Denzel Mims or, you know, name your other receiver of the week. And I think if you take that philosophy, you have to also be going 
um, four guys that are going to have that year one production. Like people were drafting, you know, Dobbins, Swift, Acres. They knew they probably weren't going to be a year one breakout. Absolutely. But you're playing the long game on that. And so um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the league as whole or NFL? No, not so much. I mean, I, I think it's interesting to watch. Uh, there's a there's a few teams that I think are still pretenders. There's a few teams that I think you know can still make some noise. I, I look at Atlanta as a team that their record is terrible, but they still have the offensive production. Their defense seemed to have gotten a spark this week. I think they might be able to make some noise down the stretch, and may be able to rebound into being a you know, perhaps a wild card team. Uh, I, even though I'm a mm-hmm. Chicago fan, I keep wondering when the other shoe is going to fall and you know, how that's going to yep. play itself out. But maybe that's just the cynicism and the years taking their toll on me. Sure. Um, yeah, with the Atlanta situation, I always, um, like I do, a, I don't know, say a lot of gambling on the side, but I do a fair amount. And a situation where they, a team loses their head coach, I stray away from that team for about two weeks because you do get that like monkey off your back feeling. I feel right. like as a team, yeah. Um, and you don't, and you don't know how to anticipate. You know, are they going to open up the offense? Or are they going to close down the offense? Um, so those, I'm going to be in Atlanta another week or so to kind of figure out what they really are. But I mean as we saw, I mean, they, they had a good team that could put together three quarters and they just couldn't close it. Right. And so, I mean, if they close those games, I mean, it's a completely different conversation and, right. and that offense is looking really yeah. good. Um, so I think we should just go ahead and flip over. We're going to do some running backs this week. Um, our last position, um, unfortunately that we get to cover. Um, go ahead and start us off with the four year deals. Um, we have some of the, the typical ones that people would be thinking on four-year deal um, with uh, Saquon Barkley coming in at $200 million. Um, That's a lot of money. Far and away, the most expensive four-year running back. I did not expect that, honestly. You know, some people are just in love with Saquon Barkley, the, the college player. They believe he can translate everything to the NFL. Uh, I frankly, I thought there were some, some gaps in the college profile, and I think this was a bit of a projection. Um, I'm not really sure what went on with Rex with Minor in this case. I just, so just to, if, if you're not currently looking at the roster, at the uh, contracts or haven't looked lately, for the running backs, there are two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15 running backs signed to four-year deals. Of those, 14 are rookies. Um, I believe Keyshawn's a rookie, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the most expensive is Clyde at $33 million over four years. And then you have Saquon at 200 And that's just super super bizarre um that there wasn't more signed to four-year deals i feel like somebody could have taken a stab um somebody like a singletary or even like a montgomery um a sophomore running back to kind of get on the cheap for four years i think probably would have been the play if looking back at it but again this is kind of reflective of the league at whole that you know you don't put a premium on a running back 
Well, I think there is a lot of risk with signing running backs to long-term contracts. So I, from that standpoint, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, flip over three-year. I'm anticipating we'll see some of those names from those sophomores, but I could be wrong. Yep, I am wrong. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we have the guys that you probably think, though, um, for three-year deals, your typical uh, top end of redraft running backs. Uh, McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, Mixon, Jacobs, Chubb, Cook, and Eckler. Honestly, that's probably the only names I would consider in this in this bracket. Besides, yeah, I mean it's a it's a very good cohort. Uh, do you feel like there were any reaches with the the three year contracts extending out that far? Um, from this list, honestly, no. Okay. Um, none of these guys. Besides Chubb, really had a guy that threatened them for production. Um, third year might be iffy, but you're you're getting a, a t- an RB one for sure for two years, in my opinion. All of these guys. See, and that's where I I wonder a little bit about Mixon. I've seen the upside and the downside yeah. with Mixon over the past couple of years, and uh, mm-hmm. having had Mixon in other leagues, I I've kind of steered away from him over time. Just thinking, you know, the the Cincy offense seems to have issues. They seem to have issues with coaching him into enough time to con- uh, provide consistent RB one value. I could see that. Um, and with him coming in at one hundred five five, um, right in the middle of this eight pack of guys. Um, honestly, I, th- I think, like you said, with with that risk, um, probably down in the eighty range. Um, like Chubb yeah. and, and Dalvin Cook probably would have been a better slot for him. Um, so you're getting about $10 million more a year than you, you probably should have paid. Um, and honestly, McCaffrey at 165, I, I understand his what he's shown, but I'm also concerned that that's a peak outlier. Like you, you, can't, you can't expect him to reproduce what he's been doing. So I, I think that's an interesting situation because McCaffrey up until this year has been electric, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But I think the, the way that Davis has shown that he can replace McCaffrey's production so efficiently makes me wonder whether McCaffrey is as special as we've necessarily thought he was or whether it's the situation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's clear that they have something in the water there. Um, I haven't read too much on their offensive line, but that has to be playing a, a big part of this. Um, I mean, I saw them this week against the Bears, and Davis was popping off some runs uh, in the first half. They kind of got stifled the second half, but um, I think part of that had to do with Bridgewater not having a really good game. Correct, and um, that was Davis's in worst the past. Game. Yeah, and in the past. Um, the only thing I really had read about why McCaffrey was was potentially doing as well he was as he was was um, the threat of New- Newton running. Um, he kind of just would hold a linebacker and end a little more than a normal team would, so that gave McCaffrey a little better running room. But I think beyond um, the concern that maybe he's not as special as he is, my concern going forward would be he's not probably going to be the ninety eight percent. Usage Probably guy. Not, no. 
I mean, I don't know how you take the ball out of Davis's hand on a consistent basis now. Like, I, I feel like that has to be a, a bigger split once McCaffrey comes back. I think from a team finances standpoint, they've probably got to justify the extension they just gave to him. Even though this doesn't make sense from an analytics standpoint, I think they're going to feed him the touches. But I, I agree with that concept. I, that's I'm not, saying it, makes, plays out I'm not saying it makes sense from a team analytics or, or strategy standpoint, but I think that might explain decision-making that does happen. Oh, I, I think that's how teams fall. But I think this is one of those where I would argue if I was on the inside saying, hey, we did pay him this money. Let's ensure that we have him at a high quality for all these Oh, years. absolutely. I, I'm with you. By not giving him 100% workload. Um, the others on those list, I'd be concerned about Kamara. Um, not sure how the Saints are going to look going forward if Breeze is not there next year. Um, and then, like I said, Chubb with Hunt. They signed him to a two-year mm-hmm. deal. So you're going to keep on getting splits there. And then Cook is just an injury risk, but I think at three years, 75, I'm, I'm not too upset about that at, price. At that price, I would love that contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if we flip over to the two-year deals, I think here we – I would anticipate seeing some of our speculative. So um, hope a guy pops and you get two yeah, years I mean, out of so him. Yeah, so we've got a few, uh, few guys who have shown strongly over the past couple of years. You've got Derrick Henry who after a long lull to begin his career has shown very solidly the past year and a half. Um, so he's mm-hmm. coming in at the, the higher end of that uh, uh, two-year deal spectrum with just over $30 million a year. You've got Miles Sanders. I'm going to pause. Wait, I'm going to pause you real quick on Henry. This came across my feed this week. Have you seen his high school game film? No, I'm not much of a film watcher. Uh, me neither. Um, but some, I think it was just like a 10 minute of his runs because somebody had shown like of his like senior year games, he averaged like some stupid number of yards per attempt and total yards per game. And you just watch it. And it's like, why is this professional player in a high school game? It's just hilarious I mean, to watch. Yeah. I, and you see him sometimes in the NFL doing that. To well, players. yeah. I mean, uh, who was it a few weeks ago that he decided he was going to just give the stiff arm to, and they went flying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you see, you see the wide eyed look and you know, it's coming. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, so Derek Henry is an interesting situation because, you know, he really had looked terrible in Tennessee for several years and then really mm-hmm. took off. Um, so I, you know, I had had him rostered in multiple leagues and ended up cutting him uh, in the playoffs one year right before he went off. Uh, much to oh, my for sure. Yeah. I know in one of my leagues he got cut. So, yeah, you know, here he is. He he's I think clearly earned his, his payroll in this league at the thirty million dollar range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Sanders this year, you know, at the thirty four thirty five is on a two-year deal. That's really at the top end of this, uh, this two-year group. Um, you know, yep. up until the injuries, I think he's looked all right. Uh, I do think you have to worry about that overall offensive production. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, again, I think there were questions about Aaron Jones coming into the year. 
but again, he has produced uh, like a madman since signing his large contract. Yep, I think the main concern there was was he too TD dependent? Um, you were going to get some regression on that, but I feel like he his uh, role in the offense has carried him some absolutely. Weight, so. Um, the next trio here, we have Bell, Singletary, and Montgomery. Um, from this season, I would say Bell and Singletary are bust contracts. Yeah. I'm not sure if Le'Veon will kind of get a little boost um, with the Chiefs, but I feel like, I mean, he's he's not going to get a huge share there with CEH. Um, and Singletary, I mean, I just with him and Moss splitting and Allen uh, sniping – TDs, I don't think that contract. Uh, I completely it. agree. I think the Bell contract in KC is more an indictment of Darrell Williams than uh, CEH. Mm-hmm. And then Singletary, yeah, I, I have serious concerns about his touchdown potential um, in that offense. And, you know, what's to like about Bears running backs if they're not going to have the offense start scoring more in general? Yeah. Um, next handful here: Ingram, Moster, Fournette, Carson, Connor. Um, of that, I I really like the Carson yeah. and Connor deals. Um, I think Connor got sniped at twenty one million just because everybody didn't know what his future was going to be. Um, he's been nagged by injuries, and that team has about sixteen yeah. running backs. But I mean, when he's out there, he's out there, and he's looking good. Yeah, I think this is an injury discount coming into play, really. Uh, and I would I would say the um, same same sort of thing with Carson, really. Yeah. Oh. And people, you know, there's people that are uh, parry truthers and and hide truthers. Uh, yeah. So. That's, yeah, that's going to happen. Um, I believe. Fournette had not been moved yet. Correct. Yeah, he he was still yeah, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have not got paid with Jacksonville. That. So that's rough at fifteen million um, to basically be getting nothing. Yeah, I mean, I still hold out a candle of the hope that he might rebound, but you know that is that is fading fast. Rojo looks like a a better player right now. He does. I, I liked yeah. his last couple of weeks. Yeah. He's looked pretty good. He has a case of the drops, um, which I'm surprised Brady has continued to give him the ball, but um, it's, yeah. it's been working out. Um, and then this next batch, I would say, um, I think there's there's one good deal in the deal. Uh, you could say Gurley's all right. Two years, 20. I feel like that's a good peg um, with upside. In that, in yeah, that I pricing. mean, I... My thought process there was: here's a former stud player who's likely to get a a load of carries in the red zone. I don't think Gurley is good anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he his body is betraying him. He's he's aging faster than he should, but his role in that offense is yeah. valuable. Um, so before I name off these other ones, we have Kareem Hunt here at two years, twenty million. Um, Got above that. Again, I, I feel like that that's a steal, yeah. in my opinion. Um, even before Chubb went down, I felt like Hunt was a guy that probably should have been closer to the two, the two years, 30 million, two years, Where did you million, have Hunt coming into the year? Um, you know, as far as uh, running back projections. 
Did you have him like running back 30, running back 35? Yeah, I probably would have had him around there, um, especially with, I mean, slightly less than this one. But I mean, even his his uh, PPR production is going to be first down production okay. anyway. Um, my hope was going into this year that he wasn't going to resign. Yeah, in Cleveland, um, him resigning there kind of put a damper on my expectations of him long term. Um, but I mean, if if Chubb's going to be hurt, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but within this final pairing, we have Geis, Lindsey, Mac, Pollard. Carry on and Duke. Honestly, you might have to remind me here. I feel like these are all cuttable. And what does that happen to the cap? Second so year? if you cut them during this season, half of next year's cap will be uh, attributed to next year's salary. Um, and you'll be given half of it as salary cap relief. So the guaranteed money will stay on the books for next year. If you wait until after the draft next year, you'll be on the hook for the full contract. Okay, that was my second question. Yeah. When is that? So it becomes fully guaranteed off? after the draft. Um, so okay. you know, I, I think some of these contracts, you know, they're they're not the worst, uh, but of them, uh, Geist kind of stands out to me as the one that, you know, that kind of went belly up. Uh, if Biggs were to cut him mm-hmm. here uh, during the season or during the off season, he could save five million against the cap next year. Yep. Yeah, I fully anticipate that being yep. the move. Absolutely. At some point. There's really no reason not to. Um, Lindsay, yeah, I mean, like you said, for Lindsay and everybody else is under six and a half million a year um, as a a depth piece for your team. I feel like you could do worse than than some of yeah, these guys. Yeah, I think the the other cut candidate um, from this group probably is Ingram at sixteen million next year. You know, okay, you know yeah, he's he's that. been averaging real poorly. They've added depth at the position. I think saving eight million against the cap going into next year is probably a solid move. Um, if we flip over to the one-year deals, um, I mean, this is where you're going to see a lot of variance. So you know, you've got Melvin Gordon up at twenty-one million, um, mm-hmm. and you know, up until the DUI situation, that looked like it was paying off just fine. Um, yeah, you know, and and then there's guys like Miles Gaskin, who is what RB twenty. Yeah. Uh, um, from my perspective, I feel like this is just kind of a look inside my mind. I feel like this is where um, teams should potentially focus their one year yeah. dollars. Um if not in the draft, having the availability to spend on these guys mm-hmm. during the season um, is is the play you should really be making. Um, yes, we said, you know, there's some value in those two and three-year deals. Um, but again, those are probably more likely than not, unfortunately, like a 70% of your season deal because somebody's going to get banged up and right. miss some games. And so you need to have a premier guy that you have on a one-year deal that you can just slot in um, and kind of recycle it going into the next year, knowing that, hey, I don't need this guy to to win me the whole season. I need him to win me a few weeks. And so people in here that I really like for that option are the Ronald Jones, David Johnson, um, 
I feel like Madison is probably a little bit overspend. Um, I don't know if Biggs has Cook. If he did, I can understand the nine and mm-hmm. a half for this year. Um, say with Latavius, if you have Kamara, feels better at six and a half. But really, even six and a half, I mean, as a as a flex guy, I mean, he's he's getting touchdowns. He's getting plenty of work. Um, you could do much worse yeah. than him, obviously. Um, but then, like I said, having that money available gives you the option of, hey, I need a week win this week. I can sign Boston Scott for $3 million right. off the street. Um, and so I think that's where I'll be interested to see how our, our league evolves. Um, I think as we look down this list, it's, it's clear that the one-year deals for running backs are significantly more than any of the other two yep. positions we've covered. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that being the case. Yeah. So I, I think from a, a structural build standpoint, I, I tend towards an anti-fragility build. So I, I tend towards builds that are, um, you might have one stud running back and then you're going to try to accumulate talent at cheaper costs. And I think it never hurts you to pay the market price. Right. If you pay market price on a running back one year, you can pay market price on them the next year. But leaving yourself flexibility mm-hmm. to to sign guys late in the draft who or in the auction in this case, who may boom or sign guys throughout the season, I think is is part of the key with running backs because they are more prone to accumulating injuries and having drop offs. So I I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a, a zero RB truther, but I do think there's something to the anti-fragility of having, you know, multiple shots at cheap running backs. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I don't know how many people in this league are new to RSO. I know there's at least a handful, um, me being one of them. I would fully expect this list to, um, while it may still be the full size in total, I feel like it may be more top heavy next year. Um, the fact we only have four guys over 10 million, I feel like uh, that number will go up. Yeah, I think that's likely. I think the other risk is that uh, running backs who show something this year may get signed to long-term deals. And then I think it's more likely that owners will regret those in a couple of years. I I wonder about like a James Robinson, right? Rookie running back has looked very, very good. uh, But there's a reason he went undrafted and Hey, came from right across the street. Again, I watched good a few play. of his games. Uh, but I think there's questions about yeah. the situation. Miles Gaskin kind of fits that role. I think Melvin Gordon, there's a reason he was signed to a mm-hmm. one year deal, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. all of these all of these players have some warts to their game. I think it's likely that they're gonna be paid a little bit more highly going into next year. Um, but just kind of a from a strategic build standpoint, I think it makes sense to pay running backs on shorter contracts. And so I don't remember if I want to say James was not, was not signed part of the auction. Correct. Uh, yeah. James Robinson was a free agent. Is there a way to tell No, there's not, card? but he is uh, signed for a one year, $500,000 deal. So he's a league minimum deal. So unlikely to have been an auction Um, player. Yeah, that'd be an interesting, that'd be a thing they should add on here. That would be uh, a very good thing to have on here. 
because while it, yes, he's at a minimum. I mean, I have Hines at a minimum, but I also know he did not come from the draft. And it'd be interesting to see people who be able to judge people on, you know, who's taking shots rather than just sure. getting the waiver priority. Yeah. Um, from these, these cheap deals, um, besides Robinson, is there anybody that kind of stands out to you that somebody's you know, got a real, real good deal? On I mean, hands? going into the year, I thought Kenyon Drake was going to be. And from time to time, that has worked out. Uh, I think Mike Davis mm-hmm. has worked out really wonderfully for you at uh, one year, one million. Um, mm-hmm. have to love that. You know, Miles Gaskin, again, one year, 500000 So it's a league minimum deal. Uh, that's paying off just fantastic value. Um, but, you know, working down that list a little bit, I actually think Naheem Hines has has played a bigger role than many people were talking about for the Colts. Um, and that's been really valuable, actually. Yes, he definitely saved me because I overpaid for the uh, Dolphins non-running backs of Reed and Howard. <laughs> I was I had overpaid on both of them, hoping that one of them would, would turn into the guy. And jokes on me, neither one of them is the guy. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. How do you typically approach the the waivers? So, I mean, for me, waivers um, waivers are about filling out weaknesses on your roster, and I try to be a week or two ahead. Um, so. Mm-hmm. In general, in this league, I feel like I've got a, a fairly solid team, and I would have a hard time dropping some of the players that I have. Probably, I could move on from Tate or Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, um, but I like I like to try to uh, chase targets at wide receiver, and I like to chase uh, snap share yep. at running back. So I actually track both of those as my key statistics and then try to pick up a player as I'm seeing their trend rising. And then for the waivers, I believe from right there based on uh, half million. Yeah. At a, at a uh, so half million is the one year, half million is the league minimum. And then it goes up in half million dollar increments. So, you know, I think this is again where you need to have some cap space at a certain point in the year to take your shot. Um, if you think you're a week or two ahead on a player compared to your league's consensus, you can sign players to league minimum deals. Otherwise, you know, I feel comfortable taking, you know, up to 25% of my available cap for a player that I'm targeting. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, especially with the deep rosters, um, both starting and bench. Um, we know there's not going to be too many people out there on a regular basis. And so, uh, when a player like Mike Davis or um, James Robinson pops, right, that's the time to spend because um, there's no guarantee that those players are going to exist no. you know, in week seven. All righty, man. Um, yeah, I think we've had a good talk. I think we have some league mates that do appreciate the podcast and put the time and effort into listening and trying to show up, which uh, this yeah. week is you and me. I appreciate it. Before you go out on your yeah, exciting so, camp trip. Uh, don't blame me if my roster uh, goes a little unmanaged. I'm trying to get my wife to take care of it in my absence, but it's always a little hit and miss each year. And, uh, across across yeah, the leagues, it generally that. holds up okay, but uh, I think I've got a few bye weeks uh, during the <laughs> gap here. and uh, My team may suffer. That's okay. 
yeah, it'll be worth it in the long run. And uh, yeah, if anybody has any thoughts on what we should talk about next week, we've covered all the positions and contracts. So I'm open to suggestions. So feel free to let one of us know what you'd like to hear. Um, and honestly, if any of you want to jump on, let us know. Um, we always have an open mic for whoever wants to talk football. So um, thanks so much. Good luck on the trip. Everybody, good luck with your week, but hate you and hope you all lose horrible, horrible games. Yes, we're all the by worst. Point one Later. Later. Later.